You're listening to a sermon by Hope Bible Church Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at hopeniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Well, happy anniversary, Hope Niagara, 12 years. I hope the, to see you this afternoon. Lord, given us a beautiful day, it looks like. So uh, this afternoon from 2 o'clock to 4.30 out at Agape Valley Bible Camp. And uh, you're welcome to come. Please do come and enjoy. It's going to be a great time of just being together and thanking the Lord for his goodness to our church. Our scripture text today for focus is, on, is in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. If you have a copy of the scriptures with you, I get you to turn there. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through to verse 47. We are in our series called, I Am a Christ Follower, Living Life for What Matters Most. We are Jesus followers, and the whole point of the series is, uh, is, is looking at the limited time that God has given me. How do I make the best use of that time? Being in a relationship with God, of course, we recognize that relationships, a majorly important part of any good relationship is the investment of time. And so we're thinking about that, about how we maximize the times that God has given us to do this very thing here, to be Christ followers, uh, living our lives for what matters most. We're, calling, we're talking about this thing called the 5G life, and we'll sort of put the whole picture up here on the screen here for you. Here's our diagram that we're working with, just to remind you, and if you're visiting with us today, here's what we've been talking about. Our aim, our goal, our identity, our target is this, that we are Christ followers. That's the target. And the theology, what we believe, is that as Christ followers, we are called to abide in him. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. We cannot follow Jesus unless we are cultivating that personal relationship with him, abiding in him. And so we believe it's important for us to abide in him, to have that close relationship with him. Also, as followers of Jesus, we need to connect, connect with his people. We're to abide in Jesus and to connect with our church, with our church family, other followers of Jesus Christ. And also, we cannot hoard what we had. We cannot keep it to ourselves. We're also called to share what Jesus has given us we are called to now share also with others. So here's the target, following Jesus, the theology, what we're, we're asking one another, we're calling on each other to believe is that as followers of Jesus, we're to abide, connect, and share. And then the G's, the five G's, is the, this is the application of the belief here toward our target of following Jesus. So we're saying, okay, in light of our target, following Jesus, and what we believe about that, what then shall we do as a church? What do we do personally and collectively? And that is what it works out into this 5G uh, life that we're talking about. The first G, God time. The second G, gather time. Then we have group time, give time, and, uh, and go time. So as we're working our way one week at a time through each of these Gs, we've actually already covered the first two. We talked about God time. We just go to the next slide here. We talked about God time and uh, our target. This is our starting point. Sometimes we have longer times with the Lord, and that's great. That can happen. But what we're saying is a starting point target. We're saying God time daily, 20 minutes a day. So as we want to abide in Jesus, one way that we, and a vitally important way that we cultivate that relationship with the Lord is by spending time with him being in his word, 
talking to him in prayer, worshiping him personally. And so what we're calling each other to and encouraging each other to is 20 minutes. God time daily, 20 minutes. Then a week ago, we talked about gather time. That's what we're doing right now. This gather time, gather time weekly. God time daily, gather time weekly. And we're just putting that target there, 90 minutes, 90 minutes. Now you figure, you know, most of our services aren't quite 90 minutes long, but we also have a prayer and praise gathering once a month. But what we're looking at here is, look at God time daily, 20 minutes. That's like 1% of your day. 1% of your day, God time. Gather time weekly, 90 minutes. That's like 1% of your week. An investment of God time and gather time, when you put it in those terms, in that perspective, you're like, you know what? There's actually, a, there's actually a, a really small amount of time that we can say, listen, listen, can make a big difference in all the rest of the time in my life. And so that's what we're talking about. How, what do we mean by following Jesus? What does that look like? We're calling our, one another to this 5G life. God time, gather time, and today we're looking at this topic of group time. When we think about gather time, we think, sorry, God time, it's that intentional pursuit of God daily. Gather time, a love for God's family, and gather worship weekly. And then we'll unpack this idea of group time. Now, before we go any further, I just wanted to ask you, have you noticed these Gs, even the first two, God time and gather time, have you noticed in your life that they're a lot easier talked about than done, right? It's a lot easier to talk about having God time than to actually do it every day for 20 minutes. It's one thing to talk about gather time, the importance of coming to church, but lots of us fought it this morning, get in a bed, fighting the, fighting the desire to come to church, right? It's not, you're not the only one. If you thought you think you're the only one that thought about not bothering coming today, you're not the only one. Okay? Even I have Sundays, I don't feel like coming to church. I know that may be shocking to you, but it's just true. It's just reality. We, it's, it's, we're fallen people and we've got all kinds of, there's all kinds of things working against us. When you think about your God time, it's just like, it's, sometimes it's a fight to just to be consistent and even focused when we're having it. And gather time, yeah, we can agree to make it a priority, but man, it's hard to get out of the house sometimes in the morning, isn't it? And, and it's, sometimes we get these neat, fascinating invitations on Sunday mornings. It's just amazing how they pop up. See, the reality is, is that the devil works overtime to get you off of the 5G life. He doesn't want you abiding in Jesus. He doesn't want you connecting with other believers. And not only the devil, our own flesh in our fallenness, we wrestle against the Spirit. The Spirit of God leading us in a direction. And in our fallen flesh, we struggle sometimes to cooperate. And then, of course, the world's not encouraging you to, to do these things. So it's important to understand this, that the 5G life, following Jesus, is not something we can do on our own. You can't do it in your own power. I want to show you this verse, and I have this on my wall in my office at home. This verse, it's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. I love it. I share it with you all the time because it's so important to us as special to me. Philippians 2.13, verse 12 says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So we're not called to passivity. Work out your salvation, not work for your salvation. Jesus accomplishes your salvation for you. But being saved, live this life now that he's calling you to live. Okay, okay, I'm in, but it's hard to do. Well, here's this, I love this, look at this. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So who struggles with wanting to do God time? I do, I do. But the victories that I find in that isn't just me digging down deep and saying, come on, Ross, be a good Christian. You're a pastor after all. No, it's God working in me, giving me desires that honor him and giving me the power to do it. 
I love this. I want to show you this, this uh, image here. This is from Vance Pittman. And uh, this is a really helpful image. You just go to the next slide. Uh, I don't know how many of you like merry-go-rounds, but this merry-go-round here will make you sick. Okay? It's called the merry-go-round of the flesh. And he says, he points, out to a, he points out for us that this is sometimes a pattern we can find ourselves in, and it's very frustrating and very discouraging. We face a temptation. The temptation could be to not bother coming to church. The temptation could be to just, just avoid God time. Okay? And, uh, but we, we hear sermons on this. No, no, we're five, I'm a 5G disciple. I can do this. And then we get temporary success. Like some of you had some of the success. You heard that, that sermon on, on God time, and you went out and you had the rockingest God time you've had in a long time on Monday. And then you did it on Tuesday, and then Wednesday and Thursday. You're like, oh, success, this is happening. Yeah, all right. And you kind of, you know, I mean, you don't get proud per se, but then you kind of got a spiritual strut. Like, yeah, okay, now I'm following Jesus. All right. But then what happens is you hit a little patch where maybe you miss a day. You miss a couple of days, and you're like, oh, I, I could have done better. And then sometimes you get so discouraged about this, you're like, you know what? I've been on this merry-go-round a long time. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Temporary success. Victory. And then, oh, I could have done better. And you sort of get round and around on this baby, and you start to feel nauseous. Don't have to put it your hand right now, but anybody here feeling nauseous? Pittman points out that really what's going on here is pride. Notice that I meet a temptation, I say, I'm going to do this. No, 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 no. That's not how you live the Christian life. That's not how you follow Jesus. You don't follow Jesus by saying, I'm going to do this, the, the, the commitment of willpower. No, no. You follow Jesus by getting humble and saying not, I'm going to do this, but saying, I can't do this. Look at the next slide. Ascending spirals of grace, he calls it. And so instead of, instead of counting on myself and my own willpower... No, I start here and meet this temptation. Yeah, I didn't feel like coming to church today. And man, it seems like everything's working against us. But I'm not going to respond to that by saying, no, I can do this. No, I'm going to get honest with God and say, I can't do this. Not consistently, not weekly, but God time. I can't, I can't do this. I've tried. Most of us in this room, we say, I can't. I don't know if I can pull this off. I don't think I can do this on my own. You're right, you can't. Humility, we get humble before the Lord. We say, I can't do this. And what happens when we are humble before the Lord is he gives grace. He gives help. The Bible says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So I would say to you, loved ones, we would be wise to get low before the Lord. And in the face of temptation, it could be temptation in sexual sin. It could be temptation in being, being uh, financially frivolous. It could be all kinds of different temptations we face, including these Gs that we're working through. When we meet that temptation to not be faithful, we say, we say no, I, I can't do it. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And God, he comes with grace when we humble ourselves before him. And then we experience victory. And when we experience victory, we're not high-fiving ourselves or hitting our, hit it, patting ourselves on the back. But no, God gets the glory. I did God time this Wednesday because God worked in me to will and to work for his good pleasure. It was him. And because he helped me on Wednesday and he helped me on Friday... When I look at today or look at tomorrow, I can build faith in the fact that I've seen him help me before. I can trust him. He'll help me then, tomorrow. And that's how you get going. Not in defeat and discouragement, but by faith. Trusting in him to live the 5G life. You will not make it on your own. You're not designed to do this life on your own. 
But if you trust God, he will get glory in working in your life. And that sounds like a way better plan than riding some dumb merry-go-round, right? So 5G disciples, we start with this. We're saying, I can't do it. And we look to God to give us grace. And here's the thing. God gives us all kinds of grace helps. All kinds. Like, to name a few, gives us himself, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in my life. That's a big advantage for Monday, having the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you. He gives us his word. So I, I don't have to guess at what he wants, what he thinks, what, what his heart is. He tells me in his word. He gives me prayer so I can talk to him. He gives me worship too. I can worship him. It does so much good for the soul to, to be reminded about the greatness and glory and goodness of God. So encouraging. He gives us the Holy Spirit, word, prayer. He gives us many grace helps. But there's one grace help, grace gift he gives that I'm thinking about today that we often, I think, overlook. And that is the grace gift, the grace help of each other. Just look around you in the room, right? Just put your head in a swivel, just sort of look around you. Might feel good to loosen up the shoulders a little bit anyway. Look around you, see? People are there. You guys are way better than first service, way better. Like five, six people. Like, come on. You guys are great. Yes. Not that it's a competition, but when you look around you, these people around you are God's grace gift to you. And what I'm going to call you to today is to be committed to gathering with a small group of these people for extended time of fellowship together to be a help to one another as you live this 5G life. God has designed his church as a body, and we believe that in order to follow Christ, we must be connected with that body, and that means members, each of us, being in real relationship with others. Now, practically speaking, here in this church, we got two specific ways that we especially endeavor to connect together. One is gather time. That's what we're doing now. We preached on that last week. But the other is group time. When we talk about group time, we're talking about this. It's a commitment to consistent growth and accountability within a community of believers. Say that again. It's a commitment to consistent growth and accountability within a community of believers. And here, those community of believers, these, these group times, are small groups. And in addition to small groups, we also have men's ministry and women's ministry, which has a, a sort of subset gathering with small groups within it. We have young adults. We've got youth. We've got hope groups. We've got different, uh, we do different group times in our church to provide opportunity for us to commit together to consistent growth and accountability within a community, a small group community of believers. This is what we call group time. Now, my emphasis today is to really try to answer this question, namely, why do we do group time? Or more to the point, why should you do group time? Like, why should you give important time in your week, in your month, with effort and often sacrifice in order to engage in group time? Why should you do that? Well, I want to show you from Acts chapter 2 why I believe that group time is a good, wise investment of the precious time that God has given you. Now, the context of Acts chapter 2, it's super exciting. It's, it really, Acts 2 tells us about the birth of the church. It says Jesus has died, 
risen, ascended to heaven, and now the Holy Spirit has come. The Holy Spirit of God has come. He now indwells his people. He now unites his people together in this thing called church. And here we have in Acts chapter 2, really the, the beginning. In fact, we, we, are, we're, we are meeting this morning a the first local church, the church that was in Jerusalem. There's the universal church, all the people who love and follow Jesus in all the world and all the time. But then local church like Hope Niagara, local gatherings of believers who, who commit together as a local body of believers. Well, we're, we're, we're going to read here about the believers in Jerusalem. And uh, they had a core group of 120 people. And when this church was planted, so 12 years ago, the core group was 20 people. The launch team was 80 people. That first Sunday, there was 275 people. Amazing, amazing. In Jerusalem, the core group was 120 people. And in one day, they had 3,000 people get saved. Can you imagine the staff meeting of the church in Jerusalem? Just like, okay, okay, first thing, coffee. Second thing, we got to pray. We got to pray. How are we going to manage all this? Well, look at chapter 42, or verse 42 of chapter 2, and it tells us how they rolled with this. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. See, where there's unity among God's people, he is pleased often to work in powerful ways. Verse 44, and all who believed were, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Why do we do group time? I pull out of this passage we've read three reasons. When we look at this church in Jerusalem, there's three things that I see here that are compelling reason for us to be serious about group time. Number one, we do group time because we need Christ-centered community. We need Christ-centered community. Do you notice in verse 42, it says that they were devoted. In other words, there's a single-mindedness. They're all in on what? Well, four things. The apostles' teaching, so the, the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ, his message. They're in on second fellowship. The word fellowship there just means, it means close relationship. There's an identity that they have as believers to breaking of bread. Now, there's some debate about whether this refers to just meals they shared together or to communion or the Lord's Supper. My sense is probably here in verse 42, it's probably referring to the Lord's Supper to worship. But no matter, when you get down to verse 46, I think quite clearly it talks there about them sharing meals together in their homes. So there is apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and also prayers. They were, they were devoted to these things. Now, it's interesting to me that in verse 42 here, we have four of our five pillars for our church, right? So the, the apostles' teaching reminds me of our pillar of unapologetic preaching, proclaiming the authority of God's word. When you read there about fellowship, that reminds me of our pillar of uncommon community. Uh, breaking of bread, worship, unashamed adoration, prayers, unceasing prayer. And then just for good measure, our, our fifth pillar about... Um, unafraid witness. Well, we see apparently that's going on. You get verse 47 and there's people getting saved. What's my point in all of this? 
We have here a community of people centered on Jesus. Jesus is at the center. Jesus is their purpose. Jesus is their passion. Jesus is their pleasure. This is not just a community. It's a Christ-centered community. If, if what you're looking for is community, you don't need to come to church. Like, you could, you could join a bowling league and find tremendous community, and that's fun, and there's phenomenal shoes you get to wear in that, too. You could join a political party. You could take up a social cause. You could just wheel your barbecue out into your street, and, and the neighbors will come. You, you, you don't need to come to church to have community. But you must be connected to a church if you're going to experience Christ-centered community. And that's what we are. We are a people, what, who we are and what we do is we love and follow Jesus. Jesus is our defining reality. He's what drives our devotion. And this is God's design that we would center our fellowship on him. It's striking to me that when you read the New Testament, there's no such thing as a saved person who remains detached from a local church. When you get saved, you're automatically part of the universal church, all of God's people. But we see that in Scripture very clearly manifests itself through vital connection to a local body of believers. God saves us into a redeemed community where we experience this thing called fellowship that's based on Jesus. Now, this verse isn't going to be on the screen, but I want to read it to you. So just listen carefully. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. John is talking about, in the first part of his letter, 1 John, he's talking about the reality that he saw the risen Jesus and heard the risen Jesus and touched him. So like he's, not only is he real, but he really arose from the dead. And then he tells this to the believers that he's writing to. He says, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. Talking about Jesus. We proclaim Jesus to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship or close relationship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. I read that to you so you will see that being a Christ follower is not a private thing, but rather it's a communal thing. It's personal, but it's not private. And what we are by design is a people who are a Christ-centered community. He's what we are. He defines what we are and why we do what we do. And this is important because it helps us understand why we do group time. Because we need Christ-centered community. Now, we're experiencing Christ-centered community right here, right now. But when you get, go from gather time into group time, you extend it farther and drill it down deeper. Let me show you an example of this where I see this in Scripture. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. Now, the context here, the author of Hebrews, the first part of the chapter, he's talking about how Jesus, in dying for us, has finished the work that's required to save us. And he brings us now into a real relationship with God. And so since that's true, he calls on believers, therefore, let us draw near. We need to draw near to the Lord, like personally, and let us hold fast to the gospel. we got to hold on to the gospel tightly. And then he says this, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, so it's important that we connect together, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, here's how I apply this to group time. The text exhorts us primarily here 
to consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. The word stir there means to provoke. We can provoke some people sometimes in a negative way, like make them angry. But this is the opposite, a positive way, like mobilize and move them to love and good works. In other words, to actively follow Jesus, encouraging them. So we look at this, and say, okay, so let us consider how we'll do that. Well, here's how we've determined to do that. Group time group time by committing to gather together to be a church not a church of a church with small groups but a church of small groups where people are gathering together in order to encourage each other in the faith and why is that because we need christ-centered community it's sort of like um where's my campers in the room who here is into camping hands up nice and high fewer of you than I thought there would be. Okay. You looked like the camping bunch. Never judge. There you go. You're over there. All right. All right. The numbers just went up a little bit more. Well, you campers in the room, picture your campfire and um, that nice hot fire, especially on a cool night. There's nothing like it, right? The crackling, everything going on and this, the, the s'mores that are being made and the stories. Of it. It's just wonderful. Now, imagine you walk over that campfire and you, using tongs or whatever branches you have available to you, you start taking apart that fire. You take one log at a time, and you pull them all apart. I wish I could just demonstrate this here on the stage, but there's fire codes and nuisance things like that, so you just have to imagine. You pull those logs apart. What's happening to the fire now is one by one you take those logs apart. What's happening? The fire's going out, isn't it? It's dying down. In fact, you leave it like that, eventually it will just go right out. But now you go back to the fire, and you take those logs and you begin to place them back together again. And what happens is you put them together in that little teepee or log cabin, whatever your style is. What's happening now you bring those logs back together? What's happening to the fire? It starts to get hot, doesn't it? It it starts to flame up again. That's a picture of you and me. Why it's important for us to have group time. Because as we gather together, and as we do group time, we, it's like the Lord fans into flame our faith, our service, our commitment, our encouragement as we gather together. This is Christ-centered community, and we need it. That's the first reason we do group time, because we need Christ-centered community. Like the logs need one another in the fire, so also you and I need one another in the fire of life. We, need, we do group time because we need Christ-centered community. That's the first reason. Second reason We do group time because we need God-ordained ministry. God-ordained ministry. Did you notice the church at Jerusalem, as new as they were, they were serious about serving? Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. So they're sharing their stuff. One of the things that we know about the church at Jerusalem, and this especially became more and more apparent as the, the story of the New Testament went on, is that they were very poor. Very poor. In fact, later in the New Testament, you read about efforts being made from other churches around the whole region and beyond to collect money for them, to help them, because they were so poor. But here they are, this church, poor as they were, they worked to share what they had to take care of each other. In verse 45, it says, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, so serving each other. In this particular instance, it was just sort of to, to make it together. And we can, it's not hard for us to imagine that there's probably some persecution they're enduring that's making it worse. But they're helping each other. They're serving each other, as they were, and they were selling their uh, sorry, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. Notice, as any had need. Now that phrase pops to me because one of the challenges of meeting needs is knowing they exist in the first place. 
your needs and the needs of others are going to be best known in a group time setting. Not that they can't be known here this morning. In fact, some of you will be made aware of needs of people here today as you're gathered together at church. But where else or where better or where are you more likely to learn about a brother or sister's grief or job loss or parenting struggle or financial problem or health crisis? Where are you more likely to hear that than in the place that we call group time in that small gathering of believers? See, group time is a place to know and be known. It's a place to care and to be cared for. It's a place to minister and be ministered to. That's what we mean when we're talking about God-ordained ministry. God has called us to minister to one another. And we really believe, we're convinced, that there's, it's a, the group time is a high-leverage context for ministering to one another. I want to show you a graphic here on the screen. This is kind of neat. You see, there's a lot going on here in this graphic, but notice in the middle that phrase, one another. You know, the New Testament has about close to 60, what we call one another commands. Close to 60 one another commands. They're commands for the followers of Jesus about how we are to minister to one another. There's a whole bunch of them. We just put a few here on this graphic for you to see. Like, we're to confess our sins to one another, teach and admonish each other, be at peace with one another. That's easier said than done. Carry burdens for one another, bear with one another, be concerned for one another, be devoted to one another, encourage one another, submit to one another, serve one another. All kinds of one another's that we're called to do. Now notice, we're called to do these things in Scripture. You can't do them if you don't have believers in your life. Like you can't, you can't really follow Jesus by yourself. You need others around to minister to them and you need them to minister to you because God has designed it that way. And wonderfully, one of the ways that he helps us in our lives, other believers, it's God ordained ministry. And we can do some of this in gather time for sure. But we really believe the best place for this to happen, where it's not limited and it's more intimate, and in some ways, if I could just say more real, is in the close fellowship of a small group of believers. That's where we're going to be able to serve each other. And honestly, that's where we're going to be able to help each other by keeping one another accountable and by helping one another to apply the scriptures to our lives. And it's also that place, that setting, where we can be a little more vulnerable and take some more time to pray I remember just so blessed by this, hearing the account of a, what, something that happened in a small group context. There was a, a, a small group, and uh, there was different ages in that small group. And one of the senior members of, of that group uh, had some kind of medical issue, and she ended up in the hospital for an extended period of time. And members of the small group went to visit her. And uh, during one of those visits, they were there, and they were praying together, reading scripture, and just talking together. And then uh, at a certain point in the visit, these two younger women who went to visit this older woman, they asked her, is there anything, what can we do for you? Anything that you need? Can we get you something? Can we, can we do something for you? She said, well, I'll tell you the one thing I'm really dying for, and it's a, it's a shower. She said, can you go, can you just maybe on your way out, could you just stop by the desk and just ask? I know they're busy, but I just, I've been in here a while and I, I just need a shower. And so they're like, well, sure, we can do that. But then the two sisters looked at each other and they're like, would it be too weird or would you be comfortable? if we did your shower for you? Now, she was just taken back by this. She's like, that, that, that would be amazing. Are you willing to do that? 
Like, of, of course we are. And so they went out, they made sure it was okay based on her care plan, and the nurses supplied them with whatever you need for a shower in the hospital, and that's what they did. They took her in the shower room and gave her a shower. I love that. It's just beautiful. Now, you hear that, you're like, so if I join small group, am I going to have to shower people? Like, <laughs> no, no. You might. But you see what I'm saying, though. There's a love, there's a ministry there, there's the awareness of a need, and a relationship there that's Christ-centered, that overflows into, in that case, a practical, blessed act of service. And that stuff happens. I, I love that. How will we as a church comfort you in your grief? How will we as a church counsel you in your marriage? How will we as a church give you wisdom in your parenting? How will we as a church pray specifically and fervently for breakthrough in your life? How will we ensure that your needs are provided for? How will we encourage you when you're down? How will we strengthen you when you are weak? How will we hold you accountable in Christ? Here's how. In group time. In group time. In fact, if you are not in group time, I would ask you, how then will we serve you? How will we care for you if you're not connected in a group? If you want to be a blessing to others and be blessed yourself, a great investment of your time is group time. We do it because we need Christ-centered community, and that Christ-centered community leads to God-ordained ministry. And that leads to the third thing, spirit-produced maturity. We need group time because we need spirit-produced maturity when you look at this text overall, you can see that God is at work here in this church in Jerusalem, right? And you see by the end of the, the paragraph, verse 47, that there's people getting saved. I look at this and I see a church that they're committed to the word, to fellowship, to worship, to prayers, to evangelism. I see a church that's growing, growing in number, but also growing in depth in their relationship with Jesus. They were growing and listen, this is God's design for us too, that we would grow in maturity. But the way that God has designed us as a local church is that we will grow in maturity through mutual ministry. Let me show you a, a couple of verses here in Ephesians chapter um, 4. Here Paul is talking about how God and his design of the church, how God makes the church grow. Notice what he says. Speaking the truth in love... We are to grow up, see that? That's maturity. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So see that again. So how are we going to grow up? Speaking the truth in love. Well, who is speaking the truth in love? The believers to one another. We're speaking the truth, the gospel truth, the word of God. We're, and, and what happens is that that's how we're going to grow up in every way in Christian maturity into Jesus. Notice it's from Jesus, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Well, this is kind of a long sentence and a little complicated, but you can see the thrust of, it, of what's being said here. In a sense, we can say, in God's design, by the grace of Jesus, the church makes the church grow. It's when each part is working properly. You're a part. I'm a part. Hands, feet, knees, legs, ears, head, neck. 
what all the other body parts there are. We don't have time to go through them all. I can't think of them all, but they're, they're here, and you're here. It's, not, it's just a picture. We're, we're the parts, but as these parts are working properly, as in you and I faithfully serving the Lord, connecting together, abiding, connecting, ministering to each other, this is what's going to happen is that we will grow up toward immaturity. And if we are mature, then we're being fruitful. And if we're being fruitful, we are on track with what God wants us to be. Our plan for seeing you grow in maturity in Christ involves you being engaged in, in group time. You cannot live this Christian life on your own, and you do not have to. Our plan, our design... Our strategy is to get our people into groups together for Christ-centered community and ministry towards maturity. And we say this not merely out of theory and not just as a, a doc, doctrinal dissertation, but we say it because we've experienced it. We see it happening. And we've experienced it ourselves. I've seen it in my own life. I can think of a particular time in my life where I had a group time experience that radically impacted me and changed the direction of my life. I've told you many, many times that really the, probably the biggest pivotal moment in my life was when my wife, Leanne, at the time just a friend, called me out on my duplicity in my life. She called me out on it. Talk about a group time. It was just the two of us in conversation and she laid it on the line. For a guy who looks like he's got it all together, you've got a lot of loose ends in your life. And that was the night when the Lord laid hold of my life and I repented and I've never been the same since. But I look back on what God did in that time and I remember back many months earlier where God really began to break my heart for what breaks his and to expose what needed to be exposed, namely that I was not loving and following Jesus. And I remember very distinctly in a group time setting in a brother's basement and he was sitting there, and we're having a conversation about spiritual things. And at a certain point in the evening, one of the other guys in the group just started acknowledging and admitting sin in his life, specific sin. I remember sitting there, quiet, listening to him, and thinking to myself, I can't believe he's sharing this stuff. Like, I can't. He's just, he's just wow. Like, it's, he's being really real, really vulnerable, like laying out in the line, like, wow. And then, and then, I, <laughs> I can still hear, I can still hear the squeak of his chair, when my life started to change. The squeak of his chair, I can, he was in one of those rocking chairs, you know, those that you put your feet up, you can rock in it, and it swivels. He swiveled it toward me. So this brother's over here confessing sin. He swivels the chair toward me, and he says, and you got the same problem too, don't you? I, I, I didn't even know what to say, other than, yeah, it's true. And God did something to me in that group time setting that changed my life that I was never previously aware of really happening, and that is he exposed my fakery, exposed my sin, but not, not towards shame, but into the light of his grace. And the Lord began in my life that night a trajectory that led toward a real-life changing decision, and I've never been the same. I wouldn't be here. would not be here. And I shudder to think where I would be going if it wasn't for God's gracious working in my life. The Lord saved me. And I'm telling you, in my life journey, group time has played a big role. And there's lots of you that could just say amen to me too here. Amen. Amen. 
So bottom line, we do group time because we need it. We need it. Group time is no time, not N-O, but K-N-O-W. Time to be known and be known, community. Group time is show time, to show and be shown love, ministry. Group time is grow time, time to grow and to encourage and growth, maturity. Community, ministry, maturity. Don't you think you need some group time? Now before I close, I just want to just sort of knock out some, we'll just call them excuses, okay? Excuses. Ready? Ready for some excuses to die a terrible, miserable, screaming death? Number one, reasons people don't go to group time, some people don't think they need it. Hopefully my message today has at least challenged you to think about that in a different way. You do need it. I need it. You need it. Number two, a lot of people don't think they have time for it. I totally hear you. Like our lives are busy. There's so many demands, so many pressures. But I just wanted to say this, that when you think about a group time commitment, I would just question, like, I don't think you can afford not to, to be connected to other believers. And I'll also just challenge on this. You know I love you. You know I love you. Just a quick challenge. Do you really think that the people who are engaged in group time, that they all have extra time in their lives to look for something to do? No, I know for sure the vast majority of them don't. I know for sure all of our small group leaders, none of them are bored. But they know it's important. Three, you know, sometimes people feel intimidated by it. I get it. Paul, talking about sharing your life and praying together is intimidating. But you know what? You're, you're going into a situation where you're going to be loved and you're going to love others. It's going to be a good, stretching, challenging experience for you. God doesn't do easy. But it's real precious to be in a group where you're loved and where you're known. For some people have had a bad experience in the past in group time, and so they're hesitant. Let me just say this. Jesus knows what it is to be burned by a small group, and yet he still calls us to fellowship with one another. Finally, some people have just, just never seriously considered it. Like you've heard about it, but you've never actually gone through mentally and prayerfully thinking about Maybe this is something I should do. And that's what I want to challenge you to do today. Will you, in this season in your life, make a commitment to group time? I can tell you that if you are ready and willing to get into group time in our church, in some kind of small group setting, we can get you into a small group in pretty short order. So I would say this. When we dismiss here in just a few moments, out in the hallway there, there's some tables set up down the hall with all different kinds of group time opportunities for you to check out and to learn about. If you're not in a group time, I would really encourage you, just go down there and check them out. Ask some questions that you may have. Maybe ask for a bit of information. The people there are eager to share with you. And if you are in a group time, then just encourage those people that are out there uh, sharing about group time opportunities. We are looking at doing God time daily. Let's go to this next slide. God time daily, 20 minutes, 1% of your day. Gather time weekly, 1% of your week. Group time faithfully, seven hours a week. Get involved in a set. You're like, seven hours? Yeah, it's 1% of your month. 1% of your day, 1% of your week. A small percentage of your month to be engaged in, in, a, in an exercise and a habit that's healthy is going to bear fruit. Let's pray together.